True Multifamily is an On Air Brands production and a proud member of the On Air Brands Network. Hey there, True Multifamily listeners. Justin here. Want to make sure you know about our website, truemultifamily.show, where you can stay all up to date, not only on this podcast, but all of our investment opportunities and other projects we have going on. Sign up for our newsletter at truemultifamily.show. See you there. This is True Multifamily, the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property. We're going to expose the role of asset manager. That's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision, executing the plan, and managing people, budgets, and timelines, all to deliver returns for our investors. These are the real struggles, the real victories, and the real stories of asset management. Welcome back to another episode of True Multifamily. I'm your host, Justin Fraser, here today with Corintha Walsh. Corintha, one of our DeRosa insiders. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Really excited. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, yes. Yeah. You've done so much. Um, and I'm so excited for you to share your story with our audience because um, I feel like there's so many different lessons learned and so many twists and turns in your story that uh, I'm going to learn from it. So I'm excited. And so, and I only know just a little piece of it. So can you start by letting our, our audience know a little bit more about you and, and what you're doing? Sure. So um, my now husband and I um, had decided back in like 2006 that we wanted to invest in real estate and we really didn't have like family backgrounds in real estate or even, you know, really purchasing of real estate. Um, and um, didn't have the mentors, but I think really my husband really had a vision and I was curious about it um, and just loved building. So I kind of went along with it. Um, and um, the first property that he wanted to buy that we would live in ended up being a quad. Like he was very anti, you know, single family mm. um, purchasing, which I thought was crazy, but I was completely game for it. Um, so we moved to Philadelphia, he purchased this quad, we lived there for 10 years, and I became the de facto property manager um, and just learned on the ground. It was just really eye-opening about who I was as a person, um, who we were as a couple, and just, I just learned so, so much. Um, and uh, fast forward to 2015, we decided to start looking again and uh, found a 20 unit property also in Philadelphia um, and purchased it and decided to transfer property management of both properties to a third party manager. And um, we also simultaneously moved away. So we became out of state investors, which gave a lot of challenge. Um, and it was, it was just crazy. So, you know, here we are, um, 2021, you know, we're continuing to look for new investments, um, in the 40 to hundred unit range, because we're, um, trying to take advantage of 1031s while they still exist. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and hoping to flip the four unit, um, and refi the 20 unit into our next, um, investment. So, so wow. that's, that's a little bit of, you know, um, like high level, our story and kind of what we're focused on. Yeah. And I have lots of questions. Okay, <laughs> so sure. I know we're going to talk about the 20 unit a bit here, but just sure. in the beginning, I think it's so important. Um, you talked about your husband and you sat down and said, we're going to get into real estate. 
can you, if you can remember back some of the conversations around that, you said, you know, you thought going for a four unit instead of a single family was, was, you know, putting yourself out there, maybe a little risky. Can you just talk about aligning yourself and your goals with your spouse um, or boyfriend at the time and Mm -hmm. just how you think and talk about money and how you think and talk about these big goals that you have when it's really kind of fuzzy and you don't even really know what, what it's going to take to get there. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and you know what, that that has been an ongoing um, thing that we continue to work on, like how we communicate about money and investment. Um, but I think in those early days, um, we were really young. And so we were very hopeful. And I think we just were so optimistic that, you know, we could do kind of anything. Um, so I think the conversations were just really positive. Um, we had known each other for a while, even before we started dating. And I think overall thought we were pretty aligned in terms of spending. Um, we were, you know, a little bit frugal, like very frugal. Um, and so, you know, we came from New York where you always live in a small space. So for us, it just felt like, Hey, we don't have a family, you know, why wouldn't we continue to live in an apartment? You know, um, And Philly has so many like really cool opportunities where we could live in a larger apartment than we've ever lived in. Um, But then other people could help us pay this mortgage. Um, And that was really exciting. So, you know, we purchased, he purchased, and we got to a place basically where, um, you know, we were breaking even, you know, the, the residents were basically paying all of the expenses. And that was um, just really amazing. And I think was freeing to us, you know? And so um, we were just able to just enjoy ourselves. You know, we we both had full-time jobs, um, but no children at the time. And we could travel. um, And and I think, you know, that's what we wanted. So that's kind of what we uh, mapped out. Now the implementation ended up being um, still stressful and challenging in terms of deciding how to spend money, um, figuring out like how to find tenants, how to approve tenants, like what our criteria was, um, realizing that we live basically with our tenants. Um, So there was a lot going on, but, but yeah, we were, we were pretty hopeful early on. Um, I love it. I love that you guys just believed and said, we'll figure this out and, and you move to a new city and, and got more space. So you're able to, you're both working full time and yes. you are also self-managing, right? You're, you said you're acting as a property manager at this point, right? That was, yeah, that was back in the early days. Now mm-hmm. I'm completely asset management. <laughs> right. Right. But then you were, yes. uh, you were doing the property management as well, but you were living there and you had, you know, your, your three neighbors were your tenants. Yep. Um, okay. Well, I, I imagine that if you're, you're working in Philly, both of you guys are working in Philly yes. and now your, your living costs are breaking even because your tenants are paying for it. So, yep. um, great. Right. And so you said you 10 years or so went by that you just had the four unit and, and kept doing, doing that. Right. Yeah. I think, um, I think it was actually eight, eight years, eight. Okay. 15, uh, we went ahead and, and moved, you know, into investing more. Got it. But so, so tell me then about that transition point where 
you know, what changed where you said, okay, this four unit is great, but let's look at something bigger. Like what, what was the thought process there? You know, I, I really have to give a lot of credit to uh, my husband. I mean, he was very visionary um, and just pushed, you know, he said like Philly is changing by the day. You know, when we, when we first bought our property um, I think it was considered more of a D neighborhood and then maybe it kind of, uh, changed into, um, you know, a higher rent, um, more amenity filled, um, cleaner, nicer, uh, neighborhood. And, um, he just really saw the writing on the wall that things were changing and he wanted us to attempt to get in while we could. Um, and so, you know, we had always kind of been just casually looking. Um, but then I just, decided, you know what, let's just put the feelers out there and um, found a 20 unit. Um, and this is funny, oddly enough, it was listed as a single family home. Uh, and so I was just searching like random, uh, you know, apps and websites and it, you know, a, I don't know, like an 18,000 square foot single family home <laughs> popped up and I just said, is it really eight? Which one is wrong? <laughs> it's quite a house. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just said, let me just like dive into it. And we had been working with a real estate agent at the time and she hadn't found it for us. Um, you know, it was just hidden in the MLS, um, unfortunately. Um, but fortunately for us. Fortunately, right? Sometimes yeah. you come across that. That's amazing. It was a weird quirk. Um, and so we we just jumped on it. You know, I just, I, I went and visited it and really just loved it, like loved the potential of it. Um, but, you know, at the time we were, we were just decided, let's just put our feelers and see what what's out there. Got it. And this was in Philly as well? Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Um, so great. How did you, um, did you raise money? Did you bring on partners? How did you purchase that 20 unit? Uh, you know, no, we didn't bring any partners in. Um we just did it ourselves. Excellent. Um, so congratulations. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I mean, I think at the time, um, you know, my husband was willing to partner, but funny enough, um, you know, didn't find people that were really interested and we were so new. So we didn't know words like syndication mm-hmm. and, you know, fundraising. We thought, you know, you kind of had to either have a family member, a really good friend who was rich and wanted to partner with you, or sure. you just did it within your own means. Yeah. I think that probably ended up working in your favor because <laughs> you, know, you, you just thought like, we're going to do this ourselves and that's going to certainly pay off for you in the long run. So yeah. um, tell me about the 20 unit. Like what, what was the opportunity? Um, rents? Did you have to put in construction? Let, let's set this up. Cause I know that we've got some, some stories here about about managing it, but let's set the stage with the 20 unit. Sure. So, you know, the day that I visited it, it looked beautiful on the exterior from the, the, the main vestibule was just old, but beautiful, you know, had like the marble, um, like floors and the marble walls. And it just, it looked like, Hey, this could be really great. And then I stepped into kind of the main, um, hallway for the first floor and thought, Oh boy, this needs work. Um, (laughs) this needs a lot of work. And, um, my visit 
kind of just got worse and worse. Like it just, I <laughs> just real, you know, we, we saw a couple of units and I thought, wow, this is in really bad shape. Um, and um, sadly enough, it was occupied at the time, you know, and so I really felt just so horribly um, that it was in the condition that it was and felt like there was a real opportunity to improve it um, and even um, make make some very small improvements while people continue to live in the unit just to bring it up to a certain standard and then um, actually turn it over over time um, and bring in, you know, at least 25 to 50% more in rents. Um, and I think at the time I probably thought like, hey, if the, the rent is as low as like five, $600, I could probably get this up to like 750, in some cases like eight or nine. Um, but I'll be honest, you asked me the question about opportunity. I never like wrote it down. I, you know, I don't think, I, I think we, just sort of said it to ourselves, but we didn't like sketch out like the real plan. Um, and so we we had a, um, what do you call it? A physical needs assessment, right? And I think it outlined, you know, many of the things that were wrong, uh, but I'll be quite honest, we were still really new and didn't understand really what we were looking at. You know, we, you know, it was kind of like, hey, um, evidence of uh, water damage, you know, on a top floor ceiling, and we're like, mm -hmm. hmm, okay, yeah, okay, that make that <laughs> okay, we can we can patch that, you know, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, before we purchased, you know, aside from that physical needs assessment person vendor, we did not like go get a GC mm -hmm. or for to come out mm -hmm. and like, how much does this really cost, you know, right, so. We, uh, we, we thought we were being smart, but we really didn't do like full, full due diligence. Um, so I think we probably thought the opportunity was greater than it really was. Um, you know, but we, we were excited about it. Um, and 19 of the 20 units were occupied at the time. Okay. And it turned out the 20th unit was actually one of the better units. Hmm. Um, and so we thought, oh, this just needs, you know, to be cleaned and some paint and we can just go ahead and rent this. Um, and that, that was, yeah, that was not at all what happened. Well, well, you set it up. So tell me what, what happened? What, tell, tell us what, what happened with that? Yeah. So, so first of all, we had selected a third party manager that had come recommended. Um, but really, I think, just was not attuned to the property um, was, I mean, they were really more so focused on getting the residents to pay the rent by a certain day, but they weren't actually um, dealing with work orders properly. They weren't communicating well with us. Um, and it felt like uh, we were becoming more and more distanced from our own property um, and didn't quite know what was going on. Um, and so, as I said, the property was not in great condition and one by one, uh, people started to leave, you know, it just, just in the first few months, people started to leave. Um, and then people stopped paying rent. Um, and then we just, we just couldn't figure it out. We actually ended up removing that property manager and working with another one 
who we still work with today and, and was doing a much better job, we ended up evicting quite a few residents. Um, and, you know, in our eight years before, we had never evicted anyone. So that was just um, really tremendous thing to go through. Um, but we ended up with, you know, 13 uh, vacant units and the property was just really, really in bad shape. So what would you, um, like looking back, obviously things tend to get clearer. Like what, when you look back on that time with that property manager, were some red flags or things that you might look out for now that sort of show you that the property's in decline and the, the manager's not turning it around? So I think, you know, adequate and consistent reporting mm-hmm. is needed. Um, you know, you need to have, um, in some in some cases, in this case, you know, conversations probably. Um, in this case, weekly, uh, definitely monthly. And so the communication just wasn't there. Um, and we, you know, were receiving, you know, a, a check here and there, but I think we weren't fully understanding how the money was spent. Um, so we needed in that reporting, like, really thorough accounting of, of everything. Um, and um, we had, you know, there was one gentleman at, at the property who was helping out, uh, was kind of seen as kind of like an on-site um, superintendent or like janitor, really. Um, and so he would, he would call my husband and say, like, I think, you know, I think you've got to get in, you know, involved with these folks because I'm hearing that people are complaining and things aren't getting done. Um, and so I, I think it was, you know, the property manager as well as us, you know, mm-hmm. providing us being so new, not knowing how to ask. And then also just like common sense, not asking questions. Um, right. yeah. So then when you made that decision, how did you go about finding a new manager? What did you look for? Who did you ask? You know, tell us about that process a bit. Sure. So um, there's a local group, uh, Diversified Investors Group out of uh, Pennsylvania, um, serving all of PA, and they're just such a great network. So I had found them, I think, probably just Googling, you know, um, real estate investor groups or networks, connections in Philly. Um, and I started, you know, putting feelers out again for a new property manager. This time, I think the interview looked a lot different. Um, there, there were a lot more questions. There were definitely a lot more expectations. Um, we, we met with a couple people who clearly didn't have um, anything in their portfolio that looked like ours. And so I think we just became a lot clearer that we didn't want someone really learning on our dime, you mm-hmm. know, had enough units that we felt like, you know, um, someone with a, a bit more experience should be helping us. And, um, you know, we, we looked for what the reports would look like, you know, I mean, I think we tried to understand, like, how do we communicate? When do we communicate? What are the expectations? Um, it was also very clear that like they were managing quite a few units in our neighborhood. Um, so they were well versed with the, the types of properties, the clientele, you know, everything. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's something that we find on any level for any size property that the 
best property managers we have manage the same size, similar size property as close mm-hmm. to the year property as possible. Exactly. You know, if you've got a manager that's only managing quads, but now you want them to take on a 20 unit, that's a different level of management. Um, yeah. And, and conversely, you know, there may be management companies out there that manage 200 unit apartment complexes that don't know what to do with a, a 20 unit either. So you want right. to find someone that knows that that spot. And then also lo- ge- geographic physical location, like you said, knowing the neighborhood, because I mean, especially in Philly, right, there's so many unique neighborhoods and and every neighborhood mm-hmm. has their own personality and set of issues Absolutely. and traffic patterns and whatever. And so um, if you have a manager that doesn't really understand that, you, you could be in some trouble. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so what um, what does your new manager do that uh, gives you confidence? And, and then tell us, you know, the result, right? You had 13 vacant units. Um, what, what did they do to turn that property around? Well, I think that they were really well-versed in just straightforward doing work orders, communicating with residents, um, collecting rent on time and providing that like accounting reporting. Mm -hmm. Um, What they were not well-versed in, and I don't think that I had really vetted well, was, you know, more than regular turnover, right? So the property needed more than the usual cleanup. Um, As units became available, in some cases, you needed to like pull out a kitchen and put a new one in. Mm -hmm. um, There were some units that really needed an an entirely new facelift, um, kitchen, bath, everything new. Um, So they were not um, connected with contractors and like the right handy people show up and do that kind of work. So I think we, you know, we, we gave them a couple of tries um, but once again, we're now out of state um, investors and weren't visiting as often. I think this was also before we were really using our smartphones, um, mm-hmm. still, believe it or not. Um, and um, so we weren't getting like pictures and video and like saving things to Google Drive and Dropbox and, you know, all of those right. systems. Um, and, um, you know, I think though that, you know, I visited I visited Philly, visited the property and realized like, this isn't working out. Um, you know, the, the people that they've hired um, don't have the same level, uh, same standard that I need them to meet mm-hmm. in terms mm-hmm. of work, workmanship. Um, they're not using um, the right materials. Um, you know, frankly, I don't think we had specified exactly what material to use, you know, so I I've realized all the ways in which I had not communicated expectations and then also understood that like, because this wasn't like their bread and butter, like they were really falling short. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, my husband and I talked and um, I literally just took it on. So um, what does that mean? You took it on? Well, I became the GC. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I love it. Um, so I practically moved into that building. Okay. Because if you recall, I'm still out of state and <laughs> don't live there. But you were working, right? And I was working a full-time job. Okay. So obviously you could work remotely, I guess. Yes. So okay. I did I did have that flexibility. Um, and as long as I kept up my deliverables, you know, mm-hmm. who knew where I was, right? And so um, I was on site 
you know, wow. almost, almost every day, um, for, um, nine months, you know, wow. we're talking, um, and I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit. Um, some weeks I maybe only showed up one or two days after I'd kind of gotten into a rhythm. Um, but I was there pretty much weekly. Um, and, um, I once again turned to my dig network. Um, um, I had had friends in Philly as well, you know, like I had a network of people in Philly that I could call upon and say, who do you know? You know? So I started interviewing, um, you know, it was, it was kind of like, I had like a five or six person minimum for like every kind of trade or thing that I was trying to get help. Um, and, um, you know, I had like my plumber, my electrician, um, the kind of regular carpenter kind of GC fix it. Per- I had a handy person, you know, I, I did get a roofer. Um, wow. And so, uh, yeah. So you still kept the, the management company on to handle like rents and leasing and all that. And you took over all the construction side of it. I completely, exactly. So they were do they were, they were keeping us um, just afloat with just like everyday processes. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I got them involved, um, if I needed to notice residents or, you know, there, there was a lot of communication about what was going on on site, but, um, I basically just started turning units one after the other. Wow. Um, what, um, did you have construction background? What in your, you know, obviously at the four unit, but you know, I'm assuming your day job does not have to do with construction management, right? So tell me just about that process where you said, you know what, I'm going to do it myself. Like, I I love that. Tell me about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I I do work in real estate, but more on the finance side. Um, I'm definitely not a construction uh, person or property management person. Um, But um, I just said, you know what, Um, we've got to get smart, you know, Um, we actually in one of our property manager interviews, um, a gentleman had told us, we said, Hey, do you want to take a, you know, manage this property while we were still interviewing? And he just said very earnestly to us that we needed to sell the property that we didn't know what we were doing. And it was time to get out while the getting out was good. Wow. Um, and, uh, we were pretty hurt by that, (laughs) but we looked at each other and, you know, said, is that what we're going to do? You know, can we make this work? And so I basically came up with like a pretty detailed Excel sheet of every single thing that was wrong at the property, like unit by unit. Um, I got the quotes in, I decided like, okay, I can make this budget work. Like, and I can be flexible so that when things come up, I can maybe pull somewhere else and kind of make it happen. Um, and my husband, who was still my boyfriend at the time, um, you know, kudos to him for really trusting it because he he was not um, working a flexible job and he was very invested in his career. So he just didn't have the time to oversee. So, yeah. so I jumped in um, and I was on site making sure that people showed up. You know, I was going to Home Depots and Lowe's and picking out every single material you, I mean, you ask it, you name it. I, yeah. I'm sure I did it. I was, I was mopping floors and cleaning windows. <laughs> um, it was pretty intense, but we, we had gotten to a place where unfortunately it needed that kind of intervention um, right. from me. 
Um, and I, and I wanted to know the property. I wanted to learn because I wanted, believe it or not, I wanted to do it again. And so I felt like, Hey, this is also my opportunity to know what I don't know. And finally, you know, not rely upon other people to tell me, uh, what it should be. I love that you're taking that from this story and, you know, your whole experience, everything you shared with us. It's like, you're not looking at it like, oh my God, like, obviously you're upset that, you know, you lost occupancy, but you're like, here's the solution. I'm going to jump in and not only, you know, yeah, that's going to upend my life and and multiple days a week, I'm going to be away from home, but this is an opportunity for me to learn. And so I love that perspective that you have. It's like, I'm going to learn so that the next time, you know, things go smoother and, and I know how to do this. Uh, so kudos to you. I'm really very, very impressed with that. Um, yeah. And uh, I don't think that many people would have the um, desire or will or gumption or whatever you want to call it to say, no, I'm, I'm, this is what's important and I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to go and I'm going to do this. And having no experience managing construction projects, I'm going to go figure this out and meet contractors and mop and do whatever I have to do. So um, sometimes that's what it takes. And a lot of times it is. And so thankfully, I mean, I'm grateful. I didn't have to do that on my projects and I love that you did. And you saw that you had to, and you did. Um, I like to think I would, and, and most of us probably do, but you actually did it. So, so a little, little round of applause for you on that. I'm uh, very, very impressed. Um, what, uh, what tools or systems have you developed? Is it in Excel? How do you keep track of, of spending and construction timeline? Share a little bit of that with us. Sure. So I, you know, I just use really just good old fashioned Excel. Um, um, And I think one thing I had learned from someone else was, um, you know, spend time with your budget and um, kind of never, never call it final, you know, at the worst time of the day for you. So if that's late at night, you know, um, put it down, wake up in the morning, look at it again and uh, talk about it. Um, cause it's really only as good as its inputs, obviously. Mm-hmm. It, so, um, so we had a lot of conversations about the budget, right. Um, and the, uh, contractors or vendors that I worked with all provided proposals, written proposals. And I was way more of a stickler about that this time around than I had been with other people at the four unit when I lived there, um, and I had been maybe working with like friends of family and, you know, stuff like that. But this time I was um, very clear about, you know, the professionalism, the license insurance, you know, all of, all of the things, collecting all of the things from folks. Yeah. Um, and um, really just asking them a question about every single word on the proposal um, there were times where I worked on proposals and it, and it went through like five or six versions, maybe even 10 versions before it was correct. Um, because I learned very early on with the 20 unit, um, I think there was one point where I'd not asked a clarifying question and it cost money. And I was like, listen, I only have so much money to work with. I can't do everything and I can't, I can't afford, you know, these crazy mistakes. Um, and my goal was that um, I needed to get this place rented 100% uh, by the end of the year. So, I mean, I, you know, yeah. in, in terms of systems, I mean, I, I think it was like my husband and I um, had like very consistent meetings about it. You know, I think there 
probably um, early in the morning was a good time for us to put our heads together. Um, and for me to present like, this is what I, this is what is challenging me. Um, what do you think about it? You know, what, where do you think I go from here? Do you think I vetted this enough? You know, he was just like a really good sounding board for me. Um, and then um, I found other people to talk to um, outside. So once again, I leaned on that dig network. Um, I found them amazing. And I don't know, I don't know if you call them a system, but like that was a system for me to have great tip. constant, constant um, communication with people who had done it before. And so um, they have an answer line. They still have an answer line where you can post your questions. And I posted questions constantly um, and, and got feedback from the most amazing, generous people that wanted to share. Let me think. Um, no, I, I think that's great. And I think just for that, you know, I, I had a very similar experience across the river here in New Jersey, South Jersey mm -hmm. uh, Investors Association. Uh, I mm. learned so much from them, same, same idea, and uh, found a lot of my partners. And, and you know, I work with Matt now. We, we met through SJ RIA. And so uh, if for anyone listening, there's going to be a local RIA group. And probably most of the people in there are talking about, you know, buying a first rental or wholesaling or that. But if you are building a business, it's such a great resource for contractors, tradesmen, help lenders, insurance, who knows what, right? So that exactly. Someone else has done it in that, in that area. So tap into that network. Why not? Yeah. I mean, there, I had, I had such a high, uh, <laughs> a steep challenge ahead of me and I really needed to learn quickly and not sit, sit down with a book. Like I needed to dive in. Yeah. Um, and so I also um, set up a process where I was communicating with the contractors and all of the vendors very regularly on site. And so that was way better than before for me as the, the newbie, um, um, kind of just talking through stuff with people on the phone yeah. and thinking I understand what they mean. But literally, you know, going on site, having them physically touch the thing that is problematic and then tell me what part they need to fix right. or change or whatever. Um, and then work through with me, like the pros and cons of yeah. a replacement versus, um, you know, a, a repair. Um, and, and there were just, you know, I had my Dropbox folder. Um, so I had a lot of um, information in there from like proposals to, uh, materials that I that I found that I, that were at the right price point, but looked good, and I thought you know we're giving the right effect because I mean we talk about the fact that like I obviously had a real steep problem ahead of me, but and I had to do these renovations, but I also like was creating a home for people and mm -hmm. needed to also be mindful of that. Like it wasn't just oh just put you know a fridge in a sink. It was like what does the market want? How much can I get if, you know, so I was in constant communication with the property manager too, about like, come take a look at what I'm doing. Am I doing too much? Am I doing too little? You know, I just really came Excellent. up with a system of constant feedback, you know? Yeah. I love it. I love all of it. Yeah. Um, so you went, you had this big, steep challenge. Uh, things are to finish it out. You're, you're occupied now. You're done with yeah. the construction and, and cash flowing, I guess, right? Yeah. You know, um, we, we stabilized. So I, I did get my units rented. Um, 
I, I think I might've had still two units um, that were unrented by the end of that year. Um, but since then, you know, we've, we've pretty much always been a hundred percent rented. Um, and it's, it's just been amazing. I mean, even through COVID, um, you know, we remained a hundred percent rented, um, and people continued to pay rent. I mean, I think, uh, maybe one person who frankly, I think has always kind of struggled with paying rent on time, continued to kind of struggle, but everyone else stayed consistent. Um, and some people even paid early because I'm wow. sure they had received, you know, stimulus mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, and um, the feedback that we were getting from our property manager was that people were feeling really good about where they lived and they were feeling like we were being um, better, better managers, better owners, um, and they were happy about what, where they lived. So it felt really good. Um, That's so, awesome. You know, now I, now I focus on, Hey, how can I make it better? And what else can we buy? You know? Right. So let's talk about that. You know, you, what's the next big challenge that you're after you alluded to, to some bigger, bigger properties and in, in the start of the show, what are you looking for now? Yeah. So, um, so first of all, we are still looking in Philly, um, but we're also looking in Baltimore um, and Memphis. Um, I'm okay. doing, uh, trying to understand more about Memphis and, kind of feeling excited about that um, area. And so, um, you know, looking for 40 to 100 units in one building, um, ideally, or one site, one contiguous site or one contiguous block. Um, And um, hoping that, you know, we would be able to hire like in-house staff to be able to manage that and maybe begin to segue into self-management. But, uh, you know, we, we do want to purchase value add properties, um, you know, as, as challenging as the 20 unit was, um, really loved what we, the value that we were able to bring to the property, um, love the process of figuring out, you know, how to make a property better and, um, make it cash flow better, um, and worth more. So I want to continue to do that. Um, I guess following on the hard work, right? You got the education through, through yeah. doing that. So now you might as well keep repeating it. Right. Yes. Yes. And I mean, you know, I, I love the DeRosa insiders group and I, and I think what I've learned from, from you and Matt and watching your videos is kind of having like your systems and your standards in place and then kind of like rinse and repeat, you know, just mm-hmm. it work for you. Um, so, I, you know, I want to just continue to, to, to pull that in. So I love it. I love it. Uh, so you said you're out of state. Is Baltimore and Memphis is where you live or are those those would be out of state for you as well? Yeah, out of state as well. I live in Jersey. Okay, got it. So all of this would be out of state. Gotcha. Very cool. Um, so that's great. How can our listeners help you? What are, is there any way that, that we can help you out? Sure. I mean, you know, call me if you're trying to offload for sure. You know, uh, get in touch with me. I'd love to um, take a hold of the, those smaller properties, um, that you have no interest in managing, you know, like I've been talking to owners who, you know, are leveling up themselves and, you know, want to offload what they consider, you know, a small 40 <laughs> to hundred unit property, mm-hmm. um, or properties that they just don't have the energy to focus in on, maybe need more work than they want to invest. 
um, you know, that's kind of what I'm looking for. And, and if you're not selling, but you know, of people that are selling, um, I'd love to make the connection and, and give them a call and see if I can make an offer. Awesome. Well, how can we get in touch with you? Sure. Um, so you can find me, um, on IG, I guess. Um, my handle is my first name, Karintha, K-A-R-Y-N is in Nancy, T is in Tom, H-A. Oh, I, I didn't, I wasn't even prepared for that. So should I also give, <laughs> you got a website or your company, however, however you want people to reach out to you. I mean, really, really it's IG. I mean, I can give my email address. Instagram is fine. Email is fine too. Yep. Okay. Um, Right. So you can, you can also find me by emailing me directly. Um, and it's my first name dot last name at Gmail. So that's K-A-R-Y-N is in Nancy, T is in Tom, H-A dot Walsh, W-A-L-S-H at gmail.com. And I'm really excited to get to know you. Well, listen, uh, Corintha's links will all be up on our website, truemultifamily.show. So if you missed any of that or you're driving, didn't write it down, go to our website, truemultifamily.show. Her Instagram, her email will all be up there. All right, Corintha, the final question of the podcast here. Someone comes up to you and says, Corintha, I want to get into multifamily investing. What is your true multifamily tip for them? Really, um, it's education, you know, talk to learn about the people um, that are doing what you would like to do, connect with them. People want to share. People are excited um, to talk to you and then work on having the grit that it takes to, to keep on going when it does get challenging, which it does. And so I continue to work on this for myself personally, but I feel like continuously learning and just showing up um, and being really excited about it has really served me well. I love it. I absolutely agree. Uh, If you missed any of this, go back and listen. What a great episode, Corintha. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, If you guys like this show, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Google, wherever you're watching. Visit us at truemultifamily.show and we will see you next time. Corintha, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Justin. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show. And if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community and you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily. I'm really, really proud to have this show produced by our company, On Air Brands. Check us out at onairbrands.com. We also have an incredible, unique podcasting event that we would love for you to be a part of. Check that out at podmax.co.